Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we take a look at the four Chiefs that were named to the NFL's All-Pro teams this week. Also, the Cali Chief discusses the upcoming postseason matchups, as well as the possible end of the New England Patriots dynasty. But first, we take a look back at Patrick Mahomes' comments during this past week's press conferences. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously see it. You see the stuff on on Twitter and things like that. Uh, we don't necessarily uh, talk about it, and maybe until probably after the season and everything like that. But we understand kind of how football works. And when you get a guy like Eb, who's who puts in the time, who who is a great leader of of players and men, and someone that can really control and have a presence in any room that he walks in, uh, you understand why these other teams are looking at him to be be their head coach. And so. We obviously are focused on our goal right now, but we, we know with, with who he is and how he operates that uh, he'll have the opportunities to, to go places and continue to have success. Yeah, you said something after the game yesterday. You said the way you guys have been winning during the six-game winning streak is maybe better than the way you guys had to win games mm-hmm. last year. Can you elaborate on that, what you meant by that, why you feel that way? I think it's just uh, a different variety of ways of winning uh, is the biggest thing this year is we, uh, we've we won games, obviously, uh, putting up points and doing those different things this year, but they've all, we've won games where the defense has stepped up and kind of controlled the game for us. And so for us, it's uh, it's about when you get to the playoffs, not every game's the same, and we've found ways to win different ways. What tells you that if you do need a big number of points in a playoff game that you guys are still capable of doing that? Yeah, I think just the guys that you have. I mean, you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCall Hardman, Sammy Watkins, uh, Damian Williams, all these guys that that can make 80-yard touchdowns happen within within a couple seconds. You know that if we need to, we can call upon that and find ways to score points. Is there anything that you learned from <coughs> the bye week last year that you maybe want to do again or maybe even a little differently now that you have it again? Yeah, I think just staying focused is the biggest thing. Uh, obviously, Coach Reed that has a good job of preparing us, uh, giving us the right amount of time off, but at the same time, uh, keeping us in the building and keeping us preparing uh, for whoever we get to play. And I think the biggest thing about this week is making sure that you're fundamentally at the right point. I mean, when as seasons go on, uh, you, you start losing some fundamentals there at the end there. And so having this week, we can kind of go back, look at ourselves and really focus on the fundamentals and uh, prepare ourselves so that whoever we get to play, that we're ready with with how we prep, prepare, uh, prepare ourselves and then uh, get to prepare against other teams. Do you watch film of all three defenses or will you maybe just work on fundamentals and then wait to see who this ends up being? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of watch film of each, each team, uh, just trying to get a kind of a baseline of what what they're doing uh, other than the the bills we've, we've played the texans and we've played new england so we kind of have that that uh, experience obviously but uh we, with that, that you kind of just go back watch those games and then you watch a little bit of the bills too at the same time but you really focus on yourself i think mostly and, and focus on preparing yourself that way i remember last year Patrick, you guys the you kind of benefited from the first playoff game where the colts won and you knew that was going to be your opponent um, is it similar to it was where it's going to be last year, where I think you took time to watch that game live in person, not in person, but live on television, and then Saturday sort of blocked off in the same manner where because you don't know which team you're going to play, you might watch both games the way most fans do? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch probably all the games, honestly. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of just a football fan like that and just see what's going on. But uh, obviously you're going to watch those games that are important to who you're going to get to play and try to focus on those. And, and then whenever you get the, you figure it out, watch as much film as possible in order, in order to prepare yourself in order to have the best opportunity to go out there and find a way to win. 
Do you think you'll watch those games with teammates or here at the facility? Like, how do you or you sit back at your place by yourself watching? How do you do that? I'll be. I'll, I'll probably be at my house watching those games. Uh, I'll, I'll invite the guys. If they want to come over. They can come. Watch <laughs> <laughs> those games as a fan. Are you? Are you kind of honing in on quarterback play specifically? Uh, I think that the more and more experience I've gotten uh, in this league, uh, I'm still watching as a fan and, and watching the games, but I, I recognize stuff uh, quicker and I'm able to kind of see how teams are attacking other teams and just from my experiences and stuff like that. And I think that just comes with knowledge of the game. Patrick, in regards to Larry being a doctor, um, mm -hmm. you understand the devotion this job requires and dedication. Mm -hmm. How remarkable was it that you guys are able to have a second life and do this. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy, honestly, for him to be able to still go go to school and get his doctorate degree and everything like that. I mean, it, it really is with how much time you have to put in and, and to this this facility in order to, to be as productive as he's been on the football field and then to have the off seasons in, in his spare time to still go and be very productive in other aspects of life. I mean, it really is a, a tremendous honor for him to be able to just do that and get that doctorate degree. Did it develop maybe confidence with McColl as the season went along? Was it there always? Because on that third and seven play, you had a big catch and a big moment that ended up, you know, really getting the offense jump started. Um, when's that confidence? When did that develop? And, and has it been? Yeah, I mean, I, I've obviously known that he can make big plays happen. And for me, it was all about him just figuring out the the offense and, and how he fit into the offense and how he was able to stay on time and still use his speed and be effective. And I think I, I've just built that chemistry with him throughout the season. And I always have confidence in any guy on this team making plays. And so whenever they're open and they're and and they're getting their opportunities, I'm going to throw them the ball. And so I think you saw that in my first start when I threw it to Sherm down the sideline. I'm going to throw it to whoever's open. In regards to McCole, how have you specifically seen him develop as a player from the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think it's just, like I said, the knowledge of the offense. I think he understands more now that when he's running a route where he can kind of adjust and, and make adjustments. On that route that he ran uh, yesterday, he was kind of supposed to kind of take the top off the defense, but he knew with the safety plan as deep as he was and where the other guys were throughout the routes that he could flatten it across his face and give himself, give himself a chance to make a play. And so stuff like that, which is seems so little, but whenever you understand what everyone else is doing on the offense and what everyone else's routes are, you can help get yourself open and still be on time with the quarterback. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Happy New Year, Chiefs Kingdom. Hello and Happy New Year. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new year. It's also a new decade. We're 2020, moving forward. And we have a winning franchise on our hands, folks. We have the number two seed in the NFL playoffs. And this team's built to win. There's no team in the league right now that has a better quarterback situation a defense that's playing better and a better all-round team than the Kansas City Chiefs. There's some guys that are playing well. They're not Patrick Mahomes. There's some defenses that are playing well. They're not 
the stifling, choking defense that the Chiefs have been for much of the latter part of the season. Taking the ball away, sacking the quarterback, doing everything you need a defense to do to win a championship. And right now, prognosticators have the Chiefs meeting the Saints in the Super Bowl and winning. The Chiefs actually winning their first Super Bowl since before I was born. That's a long time to suffer. (laughs) And I know there's a lot of Chief fans out there who can relate. I don't know what's more painful, being in that situation or being one of those people who was a young one when they did win the Super Bowl and then going the rest of their life so far without another sniff, let alone a win. Last year, of course, being the caveat, we should have been there. We all know that. Most people know that. I talked to somebody today that's a, a Bills fan, and he's he's happy to be in the playoffs. He's where we were when we were 2-14 and 14 before Andy and Alex came along. They're just that, you know, playoffs are for the mafia. That's what his T-shirt said. Our T-shirts say the West is not enough, which the San Francisco 49ers copied. But we said it first because they couldn't lock theirs up till the end of the season. Now we're on a bye week because, as I predicted, the Dolphins beat the Patriots, as many people said they would not do, pretty much sewing us into the third seed. I was sure we were going to win, and I was 99% sure the Dolphins were not going to choke and that the Patriots just couldn't keep up with them offensively. To their credit, the Patriots did hit 24 points. I didn't think they were going to get over 21. But uh, Fitz Magic, baby. There's a big, uh, it's a big uh, petition being sent around right now in Kansas City. People want <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick to bang the drum to open the playoff game. I think that's awesome. I think that that's possible. If that's not some kind of conflict of interest by some arcane NFL rule, I think it'd be great. I'd love to see that. He basically got the assist. He put us in position. His team, to be fair, his whole team did it. It wasn't just Ryan, but... You know, everyone looks to the quarterback at the end of the day. And he did make a big play down the stretch. So did Mike Gusecki. If we can't get Ryan, let's get Gusecki. He caught the winning touchdown. That'd be great, too. But here we are, number two seed. And if the Patriots lose to the Titans, which I think they will. We'll go on about that in a minute. If they lose to the Titans, the Titans and the Baltimore Ravens get to beat the snot out of each other (laughs) in two weeks. Well, a week from this weekend, another week from now the second round of the playoffs. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see those two running games just hammer each other for uh, 60 minutes while we deal with whoever comes out of the Titans-Bills game. Sorry, Texans-Bills game. I feel like we can beat anybody in the playoffs right now. I feel like, uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with what I said earlier. I feel like I don't want to predict anything. I don't want to pick who we should face or who I'd like to see us face. I want us to face the right teams to give us the right situation to win it all. Everyone can give us an equal challenge. Everyone's equally beatable. That's the way I look at it right now. The Steelers didn't back into the playoffs. The Raiders didn't back into the playoffs. Everybody in the playoffs right now, for whatever their reputation is and their experience is and their talent level is, has a legitimate shot. I think the weakest team right now is the Bills, just because Josh has got to mature a little more as a quarterback. Defensively, they're they're tough to deal with, but offensively, I just think they struggle too much to keep up with the uh, higher-scoring teams in the AFC. And there will be some scoring in this playoffs. Mark my words, there will be some points put on the boards by every team in these playoffs. It's a new year, and it's time for resolutions. It's time for people to decide changes they're going to make in their life. Mine is going to be, and is, 
to be uh, in much better health and condition physically because, you know, kind of dadded it up over the last few years and put on some padding that I really don't need to be carrying around. So I'm going to work on that. I think the resolution of the Kansas City Chiefs is that they're a resolute team that's not going to accept losing. They're not going to back into games. They're not going to start slow. They have plans to win it all, and they can do it. I think Baltimore is a big threat. Like everybody's predicting, they're going to be a tough out. They will be, but it's also the first really big game for Lamar Jackson. Last year, he had one game and done, and it wasn't pretty in the playoffs. The Chargers kind of embarrassed them. I don't expect that to happen in the second round with whomever they play. I think they're a more uh, well-balanced team now. Lamar's definitely a better thrower of the ball at the NFL level than he was last year, which last year was kind of surprising because I've watched him play a little bit at Louisville, and the kid could throw the football. I wasn't sure if that was him, nerves, learning things, getting used to the speed, or them holding him back a little bit. But he's actually developed into more of the passer that I suspected he would be at this level. I don't believe he's got the calm playoff demeanor to take on a Patrick Mahomes or if he gets through the AFC, the Drew Breeses and people like that. There's just people that are more mustered than he is right now. And that's, I mean, that's every generation. There's always somebody that just breaks that rule that comes in and is like, I don't care how young I am. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't expected to win at all. He did, but that was largely on the, the defense and the kicker. I mean, I'm not going to say that he didn't play because, of course, he did. But if they don't have Drew Bledsoe on that squad the first time around and he doesn't come off the bench against the Steelers, they don't get past the Steelers in the playoffs because Tom looked awful and they couldn't throw the ball deep and Drew came in and just gunned it down the field and all of a sudden it was a different football game. But uh, here we are. It's 2020. (laughs) No longer 2019. It's 2020. That's going to take a minute to get used to. It's a TV show, people. 2020. Look it up. Um, yeah, we're looking at these playoffs staring us dead in the face, and we get an extra week to relax, for our team to recover, for guys to work on their fundamentals this week. Next week, I'm sure it'll be team planning for whoever we're going to play, of course. People keep saying they're going to take a look towards Baltimore. I don't think Andy Reid's doing anything with the team, mind you other than focusing on the task at hand. He might be working with Eric B. and me behind closed doors on, oh, this is, I think, how we could do against if we get Baltimore, if we get this, if we get that. I don't think he's looking past game one right in front of him because the man's been down this road before. It's a hard road to travel. It's a hard position to get to, and there's no guarantees of anything because it hasn't panned out for him yet. And that's the only thing missing from his crown. That's the only jewel that Andy Reid needs to cement his legacy as Without a doubt, one of the best coaches ever. I personally feel like he's there now. Um, some people would differ. Some people think he still chokes. His time management fiascos of the past have not been a problem this year. If you look at our losses, it's not because of time management. It's not because of anything like that. People used to try to hang that on him, and that's not the case this year. Um, I think when he first got to Kansas City, he was trying to do a lot more with less when he first got things rolling. And he's slowly, with the help of Brett Veach and previously John Dorsey, uh, build this team into something more. And right now it's clicking on all cylinders. We lost one Thornhill. That's going to hurt. But we got Armani Watts sitting there. And it's interesting because Armani Watts was 
drafted early to be that guy that's going to be a young safety that we're going to develop and has got all kinds of ball hawking ability and he could be something special. And then, oops, he gets hurt and he misses time. Now we have Juan Thornhill, who was drafted for the very same reasons, higher. He's drafted higher. But as good a season as he was having, the injury bug strikes. Now Juan's hurt in steps Armani, and Armani made some good plays, including a stop on fourth down, which he got robbed of by the refs. But it doesn't matter. We won the game. It's all good. The upside of this is, as much as it hurts to lose Juan, and it's going to suck for him to miss the rest of the season and have to watch from the sidelines while he's recovering from his torn ACL. I've been there. It's not fun. But he'll be fine. I know that because I had mine fixed when I was much older than he is. And it's great. You feel so much better and everything's wonderful and he'll be back. But this leads us to next year where we're going to have a healthy Armani Watts, hopefully, if he makes it to the playoffs without injury. And later in the season, we're going to get Juan Thornhill back. So that's going to give us two young guys at the safety spot with all kinds of ability, all kinds of potential and youth. And they can go forward together as a pretty solid tandem with first Teron Matthew leading the way. And then when he steps aside at some point, I don't know when that's going to be yet, but he's got a few more years, I'm sure. But uh, those two guys sitting there, it's it's just a nice situation to have, and it's not super expensive. And that's going to help us with cap issues because we have to sign Chris Jones, and they're probably going to sign Patrick Mahomes coming up here pretty soon. I'm sure after the season's over. Going into the draft, I would love to see us get Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, that kid. He's sideline to sideline. If you have a chance, take a look at Chiefs Wire. I did an article on him a few weeks back as my uh, number two draft crush. He's actually my number one because I think he's got a better chance of being picked by the Chiefs than the tight end from Mizzou because Andy's not going to take somebody like that that high, and he'll probably be gone by the time we have a crack at him in round two or three. But Simmons would just be such a great need filler and such a great depth guy at first. And who knows, maybe a pop-on-the-scene starter as soon as he gets to the team. Guy sideline to sideline, 6'4 and change, 230 and change. Long arms. He's He's got arms like a guy like Tano. He looks like he's a six foot seven guy with those arms, the wingspan. And the speed, if you didn't see it, check out the bowl game against Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins gets the ball. Cuts through the center of the O-line and takes off. And Simmons comes from out of nowhere on an angle and almost gets to him after, I think it was a 45 or 50-yard run. He just tracks him down. He's like a yard and a half behind him, just going step for step with this fast running back. So he will be a nice addition to whatever team he lands on. Hopefully it's the Kansas City Chiefs. But right now, there's business to take care of. There's playoffs to attend to. I believe our first round playoff game is going to be, like I said, between the Texans or the Bills. One of those two is going to be coming to see us because I think the Titans are going to go in there and knock the teeth out of the Patriots. That running back is not to be messed with. And that ball control that they have going on with Tannehill flinging it every once in a while, I think they're going to do a number on the Patriots' defense. I think they're going to eat clock, and Brady in that offense does not have the the ability to come back anymore or to keep pace with high-scoring teams. Now, I'm not saying they're going to score 40 or something like that, but I think they're going to be close to 30 or over 30. And I think the Patriots are going to be stuck around 17 or 21 points because the Titans' defense is pretty solid as well. 
And it's just a good team. I mean, it's it's the Bills with an even better running game, slightly weaker defense, but a better running game and a better, more experienced quarterback. Not more gifted, but more experienced, more calm quarterback who's beaten them before as a Miami Dolphin. So there's no fear. And that team trounced the Patriots last year in the regular season without Tannehill. So here we go, people. If you're a Patriots fan, I feel for you. I've gone through a decade of misery. I've gone through years of struggling and getting close, but not quite. You guys are heading down that road right now. Because I don't know if you're a parent sitting there on the roster behind Tom Brady. It doesn't look like it. And I don't think he's long for that place. Belichick might not be long for that place. Wouldn't it be interesting if Belichick left to go coach the Browns? (laughs) With that roster, he'd make them a playoff team tomorrow. They would be a problem for people. Um, I don't know if he's leaving anytime soon, but, you know, he might. He's not a young pup. He's done everything he can really do. Now it's just adding up more wins. It's not really going to make a difference in his legacy. He cemented himself as arguably the best coach ever. I'm not going to mince into, uh, you know, Shula's got more wins and Walsh was an innovator and all these things. There's reasons to argue for different guys, but he's got the rings to, you know, support his argument. So that'll be a big part of his first time Hall of Famer, first ballot for sure, Hall of Famer, obviously, as will be Tom Brady, and rightfully so. Um, But right now, people, Father Time's undefeated. Father Time just turned over another year. There's nothing anybody can do to stop it. It's 2020, whether you like it or not, people. And the clock's ticking forward, and time does what it does to everybody, it leaves you behind. They're going to come and they're going to go like every other dynasty. Rome is burning. It's not full flame engulfed right now, but it's it's there's embers and you can see smoke and the dynasty's crumbling. Will this be the last year they're competitive? Largely depends on whether Tom and Bill stick around, but they're not the team they once were. He's not the quarterback he once was. Injuries are also hampering him. They don't have the weapons they used to have. Now Edelman might not play. I mean, if that happens, it's a wrap, people. I mean, I don't know who you think he's going to go to as his go-to guy. He tried to make Dorsett that guy against the Dolphins. didn't work out so well. But here come the playoffs. The Chiefs are dancing. The Ravens are dancing. The Titans, the Texans, the Bills, and the Patriots. They're filling out the AFC dance card. It's time to play ball, people. I believe in this team. I believe in Chiefs' kingdom. I think we're going to turn around that 50% of the kingdom that lives with the sky is falling mentality. I think y'all are coming on board, and I think you're all coming around. And it's going to be a wonderful next 10 to 15 years with Patrick at the helm. Good luck in the playoffs. Go Chiefs. This year, the Kansas City Chiefs had four players named to the 2019 second team All-Pro roster. This year's players were Travis Kelsey, Mitchell Schwartz, Teron Mathau, and rookie McCole Hardman. Mathau is making his second appearance on the All-Pro team, his first time with the Kansas City Chiefs, as he finished with 75 tackles, two sacks, and four interceptions. Travis Kelsey adds another All-Pro honor to his record as he recorded 97 catches with well over 1,200 yards and five touchdowns. Offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz added another All-Pro honor to his resume, his first selection since 2015. 
And rounding it out is rookie wide receiver McCole Hardman, who goes in as a special teams player. Hardman was recently named as a special teams player of the week for the AFC. Congratulations to those players as the Chiefs prepare for their big divisional matchup in two weeks. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.